Today is part five in our series on foundations of our faith, and this morning I want to introduce you to two of my friends, Mr. Cardboard and Mr. Metal. And we're going to be, some of you have met them before, but we're going to be meeting them again later in the, in the sermon, very shortly. So, what I'd like to do this morning is to explore how being in the new creation, because we are united with Christ, changes everything. So a bit of background to the story so far. We started with the first part, what God is like. We saw the different characteristics of God, some he shares with us, some are very different to us. And then we talked about God in the spirit world, how he created all kinds of beings, and how if we're in Christ, if we're saved, we're actually, we are above all of the negative forces that are in the universe. We're, nothing can separate us from God. We're close with him. We don't have to battle through uh, layers of demons. We don't have to, to get some spiritual person to pray on our behalf. We can, go, we can be close to God directly. And then the third part, we talked about how the world got broken, how God created the world so that Adam and Eve were connected to him and his power flowed through everything and they had allegiance to him. But this got broken. And when this got broken, it changed everything because they decided to make a decision which was outside of allegiance to God and the world, and the world not just humanity, but all of the world became broken. Last time, we talked about how the cross and the resurrection changed everything, how God had a solution. He wasn't going to patch up the old. He wasn't going to, to use a band-aid and try and kind of deal with the problems. What he was going to do was to actually make a new creation, something completely new. And how was he going to make this work, though? Because the, new, the old creation is here and the new is here. How was he going to get uh, those he was saving into the new? Well, the way it was done was by being united with Jesus, who went from the old to the new. Being united with Jesus. And I'm going to unpack that more this week about how that actually happened. And then I talked about how this makes this has implications for us. So I'm building on it this week, and I'm going to talk this week about what this, the, the implications of united, being united with Christ are for our life. And so I'm going to talk about new life in Christ, renewed by the Spirit this week. And my, my uh, outline is very simple. I'm going to talk about the two creations, and I'm going to talk about getting from the old to the new, and then finally living in the new. Two different creations, getting from the old into the new, and then what it means to live in the new. So now we're going to be introduced to um, Mr. Cardboard and Mr. Metal again. This is where they come in. So these are two kinds of stuff. This is completely different kind of stuff. This is all metal, and this here is card and paper and some sticky tape to hold it all together. So we have these two kinds of stuff. Um, I want to ask you, what are the characteristics, the difference between these two? What's the difference between metal and card? 
as a material. So durability. So which is the most durable? The metal. So what can happen to this then? It could catch fire, rip up, bend, hmm? get wet. Yeah, um, yeah, not very durable at all. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, it's, and it's probably not going to. I mean, he's been around for a little bit, but he's falling apart already. So I'm probably going to have to have a new Mister Cardboard to replace this one. Whereas this guy is just going to keep on going. So the main thing you would say is durability, like how long they will last. There's some other things. This is much stronger than this. Um, in fact, like on every kind of way you measure them, they're just very, very different. Um, so uh, if I was to say, um, could we take something that's card and like do something to it, putting on some machine that turns it into metal? Not really. No, no, you can't. Like, so how would we go? What would we do? Well, how would we go about um, taking something that was card and making metal, a metal version of it? We basically have to start from scratch, wouldn't we? We'd have to begin um, and and just make something like it. We'd have to start from scratch. Um, so this is an introduction to the first passage I'm going to take this morning, which is from 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to be doing two scripture passages in Maine today. So the first one is a, a problem at Corinth. And um, so that, well, that was about Andrew. Well, you'll explain this in a minute. The problem at Corinth, uh, some people were laughing at the idea of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 starts by addressing this problem and then it ends up with one of the clearest presentations of the new creation we find in the entire Bible. One of the clearest presentations of the new creation. And um, so I'm going to just go through the couple of verses at the beginning and then I'm going to go to this presentation. So... Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preach to you, that you received and on which you stand, and by which you're being saved if you hold firmly to the message I preached you, unless you believed in vain. Now he's going to give a summary of the gospel. This is the gospel he preached. This is the basics. This is the ABC of the gospel. I passed on to you as the first importance that which I received, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So died, buried, raised. And then there's an interlude where he starts talking about the problem in Corinth. We'll skip over that. And then in verse 21, he says, just as death came through a human, so that was through Adam and Eve, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a human, For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So we're going to think, and you probably guessed this by now, that we're representing Adam and the old creation with Mr. Cardboard, and we're representing the new creation with Mr. Metal. And so what happened is, this is, this is the, the, the old creation. All who've descended from Adam and Eve are this. And, but Christ did something new. And now here is the key passage, and I've highlighted some words in this passage, and you'll see that um, um, the green are the old, the old creation, and the blue is the new. 
And this is the, this is the clearest place in the whole of the scripture where it defines the new creation as over the old. So, also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth made of dust. Made of dust. So this is the, the key question. What is made of? Made of, of stuff, and we could be approached that kind of in a scientific manner and say, made of atoms, made of molecules, made of the stuff of this universe. This is what we're made of. Um, the second man is from heaven. Like the one made of dust, so too are those made of dust, and the one from heaven, so too like those are of heaven. So do you see, he's setting us opposed to substances, the dust, the molecules and atoms that we're made of, and something else which is from heaven. Just as we're bore the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, this is what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So what's happened is that these two things, and he describes them uh, a little earlier, he he describes... um, um, this sub, this of heaven, you can see back in verse 45 here, he uses the word spirit. And this is spiritual. This is of spirit. And what happened is when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And he became the first man of the Spirit. The substance he was made of was the spirit, the stuff of God. Now, this might sound kind of confusing. Like, I thought Jesus was one of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit is another part of the Trinity. Yeah, but the Bible says that Jesus, in his humanity, his new humanity, there was some way in which the spirit created this for Jesus, this new kind of being. So the metal that we have here, the metal is actually... The, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the card and paper here is the stuff this universe is made from. So um, maybe you can now see what, how this fits in with my, my models that I've made there. Let's put this into a chart. We have old creation. We've got Adam. We've got dust. We've got perishable. We've got new creation, which is Christ, the Spirit, and it's imperishable. So the question then is, how do we become made of the Holy Spirit? Because if we're made of, of dust, we're made of this creation, we will perish. But if we're made of something imperishable, then we will last forever. So how can we be made of the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> so before I go further... Um, to be made of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean to say that we're God. <clears throat> we're just met, we're made of the stuff of the Spirit. That doesn't mean we are God. My wife Anne is coming back from England on Tuesday, 
And if she brings some rocks from London with her and like builds a little model of them, I don't say, well, that's London there. I say, well, that's some of the stuff from London that she's made a model from. Um, and so we don't become God, but we, uh, we, we become made of the stuff of God. Made of the stuff of God, which is from the Spirit. So there are plenty of other places where it describes this. And before we go on to our second main passage, I want to just show you some verses that clearly echo this idea. John 3, verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, we're born of flesh as babies. You know, we're from, from our parents. We're born, we have the same stuff as our parents. But when we have the new birth, when we become Christians, we're born of spirit. Je- talking of Jesus, who appointed the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is raised by the Holy Spirit. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Same idea, mortal immortality. We have the new life of the spirit in Christ in this. Um, Now, one of the, the problems, in fact, I would say the main problem we have Living the Christian life is that we are living in both realities at the same time. If you're a Christian, you are actually both card and metal at the same time. I have another model which I didn't believe, but it's a tiny little metal man which slots down inside the cardboard one. And then when the card is, the card just disappears, there it is. There's the reality inside. But we're like that. We have a little bit of immortality in us. We have the spirit. You can't see it yet. Because we don't have a spiritual body, but in you is immortal life. In you is something which will last forever. But our problem is that the new creation started, but we're still stuck. We're living in the old creation. Now, if you look at the Old Testament prophets who are prophesying, his new creation is coming, God's going to do something new, you see an idea that they had that it was right, but they didn't have clarity. The, 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 uh, the position they have is the top one there. There's a present age, the Messiah will come, and then there's the age to come. Their revelation was limited. It's true what they said, but it's limited. And some people describe it as like the perspective when you're looking at a mountain range at a distance. You see the mountains, and it looks like they're all together, but when you get closer, you see some are further behind than others. And as the Old Testament prophets saw there was going to be the Messiah coming. They just saw one event. But when we get here, we discover that the Messiah comes. There's a resurrection there. And the age to come starts at the resurrection. But the flesh continues until Jesus comes again. And then the old is wrapped up and the new continues. So key to understand, all of your problems as a Christian are the fact that you are living in both creations. You've got one foot in the old and one in the new. And those problems will end when Christ comes again and you have a new creation body. You won't have to worry about the old. But this is where your problems are. So we have 
summarize the two creations. And we're now going to look at how we get from the old to the new. What is this transition that we have from the old to the new? And then we're going to end by talking about living in the new. So getting from the old to the new. It's interesting that when you look at the New Testament, they very rarely use the word Christian. I think maybe once or twice the word Christian is used. That came in later as a definition for somebody who follows Christ. Does anybody know what the most common word was, expression, for somebody who's a Christian? Disciple, that, that's, it is used, but that's more before Pentecost. Do you know what later on it was described as? Being in Christ. If you're in Christ. So somebody, and a Christian is somebody who's in Christ. And that's a shorthand for united with Christ, joined with Christ. But the question then is, how do we get from the old to the new? You don't suddenly wake up and discover, that, oh, my leg is part of the new creation. The rest of me is not, but huh, I've got a new creation leg. No, that's not how it works. Um, what the, the way it works is, and I talked about this last week, Jesus made the transition from the old to the new, and when we're united with him, we make that transition. I've got a picture which I find helpful. You may not find it helpful, but I put this together to try and... Um, the, the two creations are the two ellipses there, and uh, I imagine, here's the tomb, I imagine the tomb is in one of these, in the old, and Jesus goes down into the tomb, but when he's raised up, he comes up in the new. So he's in the old creation, he goes down into the tomb and dies, comes up in the new creation. So the only way that we can get there, we're born in the flesh, we get into there by being born in the flesh, we get in there by going down into the tomb with Jesus, and then we come up out of the tomb, raised with him, into the new creation. So it's that joining with Christ that takes us down and up. So there are different names that I put there in that in that shape there, for the old creation. It's called in different ways this present evil age, this present evil world. It's called under the power of Satan. It's the old creation, the flesh, and in Adam. Those are the words used to describe it by Paul and others. The the new creation is described as the, the age to come, the world to come, the kingdom of God, new creation being in the spirit, in Christ. So those are the two things. So the key idea then in this picture is dying in the tomb with Jesus and then coming up with him. So the question then is, if I'm not a Christian, how do I do that? Like if I'm in the old and I'm not a believer, what do I do? Well, Jesus offers it very freely to us. He says, come to me that you may have life. Come to me and I will give you life. He says, if you take me as your Lord, if you're willing to give Give yourself to me. I will actually take you through. I will take you through, and when you're with me, you will die to the old, and I will give you this new life. <clears throat> um, he said, I will take away your sin and guilt in the old. I will deal with all of those problems. And so what do we actually do? We, we pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm part of the old. I want to be part of the new. I'm prepared to give my life to you. Thank you for this offer. Please Forgive my sins and give me this new life. And Jesus is very willing to do that. And that's how we become part of the new. He renews us. And then what happens at that point is extraordinary. It's remarkable. That 
There is a single point where life appears in you where there was not life. Where there's a spark where there was not a spark. Where there's a seed that begins to grow. And at that point, you exist in the new and you never did before. At that point, it may be small, it may, may not be growing yet, but it will grow up into eternal life. But that there, at that moment that you have faith in Jesus, that life will begin. That new life will begin for, that is, this, is this the life of the Spirit in you. You're born of the Spirit. So what does it mean to actually live in the new? That was, that was fairly brief, that description. Uh, that was about getting from the old to the new. So I want to end then by talking about living in the new. What, how do we actually go about living in the new? What do we do... <clears throat> to live a different kind of life. <coughs> when I first met Anne, my wife, she was living at, at the, the home of a guy called Larry. And in their living room, on the mantelpiece, they had a goldfish bowl. And there was this goldfish swimming round and round and round this goldfish bowl. And um, we, we would watch him going round and round and round and feel sorry for him because he didn't really have much of a life. Um, not that he looked sad, but we assumed he was sad being in this bowl. So Larry, whose, whose home it was, also felt sad for him and decided that he was going to make a better home for the goldfish. And Larry doesn't do things by halves. So he built like um, a, a fish pond palace out in the garden. He built, it was like split level, it had a fountain, it had a waterfall at one end, and he, uh, it was, was limestone all around it, and it was, it was really big, and it was just beautiful. And he designed it properly, he lined it, he put, he put, put the right kind of water lilies in there, and then he filled it up with water, put the lilies in, and then he allowed it time for the, the balance of the water to be right, so everything was perfect. And then the day came when the little goldfish was going to be introduced to this new pond. And I was there at the occasion. It was this, now we were going to celebrate this. So we carried him out of the house and took him up to the pond. And there it was this amazing palatial pond. And he was gently put in and transferred into the pond. And we all cheered and so on. Well, next day, came back to see how he's doing. And you know what? He'd found a little patch between some of the lilies were about the same size as his pond and he was his goldfish bowl and he was going round and round and round in that little area. Isn't that sad? He was living in a palace, but he was behaving as if he was still in the goldfish bowl. And that's a picture for what it can be like for us in the new creation. We're in a palace, we have so much, but we have patterns from the old which just repeat, and we don't appreciate what we have in the new. And uh, this is the theme of Colossians chapters 2 and 3. It says in verse 12 of Colossians 2, having been buried with him in baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. We saw a baptism earlier. A baptism is a way of actually walking out symbolically what happened to you 
in going from the old creation to the new. Because you, d- you go down into the water as like in the old creation. When you come up, it's the new creation. You've been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. But then it goes on in chapter 3. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if this has happened, you need to do something. Keep thinking of things above, not things on the earth. So in other words, you actually need to change your thought processes to live in this new way. For you've died in the old. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. The new life is with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. So right now, your life is hidden. You can't look at somebody and see the spiritual life. But when Christ appears, the, the, the full glory of our new bodies will appear with us. Um, so what practical difference? How can this make a difference to us? How can you and I live differently as being part of this new creation. And so I want to to look at the second main passage I have for today as we try and pull this together. And I put it into two columns, and I, I'm going to go through, and in fact, it's, it's beautiful the way it just fits so neatly into these corresponding categories of old creation and the new. So Romans 6, verses 5 through 14. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. So that's in the future. We know that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. For someone has died, someone who has died has been freed from sin. So let's just pause right now. So what it's saying is that something has died. Some power over us has died. So the the thing that would keep us swimming in the circle has actually died. The glass walls are gone. So although you may not realize it, you've got freedom to live differently. Uh, But because we've got a pattern of behaving, habits of behaving, those habits, we assume that those are walls. We assume we can't behave any differently because that's how we've always done things. But actually, they don't dominate us. We're not enslaved to them anymore. We can escape them. So the idea I want you to understand is that you don't realize your freedom if you're still living in sin. You're, you're living as if the sin has got power over you, but it hasn't. It's not a wall anymore. It's gone. And so it's recognizing that something is different now is key to this new life. Recognizing that what did enslave us does not enslave us anymore. Verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also, we will also live with him. And a little arrow, which means we're changing the direction here. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he's never going to die again. Death no longer is his master. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So here it is. Here's the the response that we can have. So too, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So recognize that this sin doesn't have power over you. Recognize that 
It's like a dog with all bark but no bite. It can make noises, but you don't have to be afraid. And so the conclusion he has here, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and members of your body to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. For sin will not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Christ's story has become our story. His story of defeating sin and being raised in the new and being part of the new becomes our story as we join him in the new creation. And so if I want to summarize that just in key points, I would say we don't need to live as if we were slaves to sin We are free now that we are under grace. We don't need to live as if we're slaves from sin to sin. And so I want to challenge you that there are things that you you do wrong in your life. Of course, all of us do wrong. That you may think that you have to do those things, but actually you don't. And just challenge that and say, I don't have to do that. I've got something new in me. I've got a new power. I've got immortality in me. I've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I don't have to do that anymore. But I've got two differences, and there's one more I want to cover before I close. The one more I want to cover is that Jesus now lives in us through the Spirit. Jesus now lives in us through the Spirit, because every one of us who is part of the new creation has the Holy Spirit living in us. In fact, he it's, it's through, it's out of him that we're made. The Holy Spirit is in us. Now, if you read the New Testament, sometimes it talks about the Spirit of Jesus in you, sometimes Jesus in you, sometimes the Spirit in you. What's it talking about? Well, w- when you compare the, the, the way it's written, it's clear that the Spirit is the channel for receiving Jesus. It's not they're two separate things. Jesus said, I will not leave you. I will, leave, I will send the Spirit. I will be with you through the Spirit. Because the Spirit exists to bring Jesus to us. He's like a pipe that brings Jesus to us. And his role is to, to be the channel that Jesus is in us through. We don't experience Jesus apart from the Spirit. He is our connection with Jesus. So these amount to the same thing. Being saying, I'm filled with Jesus and I'm filled with the Spirit are the same thing because it's the manifestation of Jesus in us is the Spirit and the other way around. So I just want to be clear on that, that Jesus living in us is through the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this is the second part, because there is a power now, as well as being freed from having to sin, there is something new that's in us. So if you're, you're a Christian today, then you have the Spirit of God, because he is your life. That doesn't mean to say that you're filled with the Spirit. The New Testament talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And that's an empowerment for ministry. That's, that's gift, having gifts that we're given for the sake of other people in the body. It's, it's having gifts for evangelism, having all the gifts which are being filled with the Spirit. And that's something we can keep being filled. We can keep getting more and more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But that's in addition to being born again through the Spirit and being a new creation in the Spirit. It's important to have clarity in that. Every single Christian is born again and has the Spirit of God. So Galatians 2 says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is powerful. So what this is saying is if you're a Christian, you're actually not alone. You have Jesus in you and his power is in you. So not only are the walls gone so you could actually go anywhere, you don't, you're not hemmed in by sin, but in addition to that, you have Christ living in you through the Spirit and his power is able to take you into new places, to do new things and to have victory. And so Being a member of the new creation is always means that Jesus' power is in us. So once again, this is new creation. God has put a piece of eternity in us, and you're called to live out this reality. So what does this look like in practice? Well, when you're living your life as a Christian, everything that you do that's because of Christ in you, is new creation, new life activity. So every bit of love that you show to another person is made of the stuff of eternity. Every time you do something for someone else or do something that's, that's from the new life that's in you, that is the stuff of eternity and actually has eternal value. Now, what if you say, well, I, you know, I had to spend a lot of hours in my workplace last week and, um, you know, that was just work I had to do. Um, is that just paper and card? Is that just old stuff that I'm doing? You know, I'm just, just working. Well, the thing is that if you're a Christian, everything that you do can be done in a new way. Even if it's just paper and card stuff you're doing, you can do it with the power of God in you because you want to serve God. And so it's a value and it's for eternity. So you can have the stuff of eternity every moment of your life. You can be doing something that counts forever. Been a lot of scriptures today. Um, I've, I've shown them to you because I feel that this is so clear that you see this from the scripture. That it's not just me saying it. Because it's woven through the New Testament. It's woven through the New Testament. Um, when I was, uh, when I first came to Canada back in um, 1985, um, I, I, I went to, to Bible college for a year and uh, there was one of the professors there, Amar Jabala, who was, uh, was from North Africa and I learned more from him, I think, than I've done any other person in my life. And um, as he taught theology, he taught New Testament. And he said to me um, at the end of the year, he said, Andrew, you need to read this book. And the book was called The Centrality of the Resurrection. And I thought, well, if 
Ma has said I, I should read it. I should read it. So I bought this book, and I would say this. I meant to bring it with me to show you, but you'll just uh, take my word for it. That this book changed my my whole conception, uh, together with his teaching of the Christian life. Because what this book said was that actually the resurrection hasn't been given its due importance in our theology. We see it, oh, Jesus died, so of course he had to be raised or else he'd still be dead. It's good proof, you know, that that Christianity is real. But what the book said was, if you look at the New Testament, the resurrection is everywhere because the resurrection was Jesus' victory. And every single blessing we have as a Christian comes from the resurrection. And as I read through, I thought, wow, he's right. How did I never see this? And of course, it's union with Christ that that is the the foundation for that. So um, what he said, what this book says then, is that everything you get, the the victory, the, the, the power that you have, but also eternal blessings are from Jesus' resurrection. And so I'd like to look at um, uh, another passage, Romans 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law because we've died to what controlled us so that we may serve in the new life of the spirit and not under the old written code. So this is where we get the name of our church from. So the message today is actually the message of this church. New life church. It's new life in the spirit. This is how we can live a Christian life. We can serve in the new life of the spirit, not under the old written code. So just to recap, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. Uh, We talked about two creations. We talked about how the... Old creation is like something that's temporary, it's going to go, it's fading, it's not eternal. So easily damaged. The new creation lasts forever. It's, it's immortal. And we talked about these new creations and how they came about through, through Adam, through Jesus. And then we talked about how we get from the old to the new, how it's by being born from above, by being born of the Spirit, and literally uh, by being joined to Jesus Christ as he died and he's raised from the dead. And then we talked about living in the new and what it's like to live in the new. And I said there's two things you need to remember. One, you don't have to be enslaved in the way that you were. You're not in a goldfish bowl anymore. You may think that you can't live differently, but you can. You have a choice that you didn't have before. You have a freedom that you didn't have before to live a new life. Don't be constrained by the old, but explore the new. And the second point for living in the new was that you now have the power of the Spirit in you. You have Jesus Christ living in you through the Spirit, and he is able to do extraordinary, amazing things in your life which you weren't able to do before. So I want to close by just putting up Romans 8, 13 to 16. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So part of this new uh, 
substance we're made of, part of this new place we're in, in the new creation, is that the life that came into us, the new life, is actually the life of God, which makes us his children. You know, when you're born from your physical parent, you have their DNA, and so you behave like them because you have their DNA. The, the amazing thing about being born of God is that we actually have his DNA. You know, John says we love because we're of God and God is love. And so you carry God's DNA. And this means that you come to him as father. You actually come to him and he is your father. He's not just considering he's your father. He is your father. He's given birth to you in the new birth. And so you can come to him as your father in a new way and be accepted by him. And the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. So I want to challenge you. We live out of our self-image. If you have an image that you're, you know, you're stuck in this place, in this little bowl, and you've got no power, and you're just failing all the time, you will live out of that image. I want to change your view of yourself today. I want to change your view that you have a new identity. You have something of God in you, and you can choose to live in an extraordinary way because his power is in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing truth that we've seen today. That we have your life in us. That we're no longer slaves, but we're free. We pray, Lord, that each one of us will be empowered to live this new life. And you you will show us where we can break down the barriers and live and behave in a new way. Lord, we thank you for this. Equip every one of us, Lord. Bless every one of us. May every one of us here truly grasp this teaching you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. The greatest day in history.